This is the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lambert. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're so glad you're joining us today, and we hope that as you set aside this time for God, that He will help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. And today we're talking again with Chris Hewartz. Chris has spent his entire life bearing witness to the possibility of hope in a world that has legitimate reasons to question God's goodness. He's originally from Omaha, Nebraska, and he studied at Asbury University in Kentucky before moving to India where he was mentored by Mother Teresa for three years. While living in India, he helped launch South Asia's first pediatric AIDS care home, creating a safe haven for children impacted by the global pandemic. A forerunner in the New Friar movement, Chris and his wife Felina served with the Word Made Flesh community for nearly 20 years, working for women and children victimized by human traffickers in the commercial sex industry. His vocation has taken him to over 70 countries, working among the most vulnerable of the world's poor. And in 2012, Felina and Chris launched Gravity, a center for contemplative activism. Like any tool... What determines its effectiveness is how you use it. A saw can be an extremely effective tool at cutting, but if you try to use it as a hammer, you're sure to face some disastrous effects. The Enneagram is no different. It's a tool that we can use for our spiritual growth and for discovering who we are and how we can best walk with God. But like any tool, it has its own misuses and misgivings. And so we really wanted to explore in this final chapter, what are some of the ways that we could use the Enneagram to cause harm to either ourselves or especially those around us? Why are people going to fail using the Enneagram? What are some of the pitfalls that they should be looking out for or um, not embarking on when it comes to discovering their type? So I, I, I think the I think the places where we're going to get stuck, or I think um, I think where we're going to find challenges when we bring the enneagram into our, our spiritual formation or our communities is is where we maybe aren't seeing it as clearly as we should. So first of all, I'll say this: like you're you're not your type. You are the purposed gift of your essence. It's your type that um keeps you asleep to that. It's your type that keeps you disconnected from that. Right. I sometimes say that the Enneagram of personality shows us our ego set of coping addictions that we've wrapped up around these so-called childhood wounds so that we don't have to tell ourselves the truth about who we really are. And, um, and, and we would rather build out the scaffolding around the projection of our own ego mythology than wake up, than return to this essence. So type becomes comfortable for people. Type becomes sort of you know the prison that we incarcerate our soul in. And one of my teachers, Sandra Matry, says, she says, look, I'm, I'm less interested in describing the thickness of my prison walls and, and more interested in, in, in making them transparent so that my essence can shine out, so that my soul can shine through. So I, I think if you, you over fixate on type, if you think you, you are your type, if you just love to, to be told more and more about your type, that's actually sort of fossilizing your fixation. And I, and I think that's, that's not going to serve you well in the long run. Um, Secondly, like I said, I, I think you have to bring a sense of humor and, and tremendous amount of compassion into how you relate to your Enneagram type. Otherwise, you're, you're going to really suffer from a lot of guilt or shame or fear or regret or, or, or frustration. And, and that 
those experiences are, are just going to sort of um, kick you backwards, not help sort of you stumble forward. Um, and, and then I think this is true. Like I, I think, you know, in the early days when Enneagram types were being developed in the early 1970s are these little groups from, from Claudio Naranjo um, and they were university and graduate students and they would meet on Saturday mornings. Well, he made everybody sign these confidentiality agreements basically saying they wouldn't talk about the Enneagram or teach the Enneagram to anybody else that, um, that they would simply work on themselves. And, and I do think this is one of the challenges here. Once you come across this teaching, once this starts to make sense to you, yes, you wanna put type on everybody. You wanna type the people you love. You wanna share this with folks, that's fine. But just like anything, the, the, the best way to share it is is to share it through embodiment, to share it through the credibility of, of, of letting your life speak and letting that be the example of the credibility or the the impact of, of how this teaching is, is, is helping shape and change you. And so I, I think you have to really sort of sit on your hands or bite your tongue, especially if you know or you perceive somebody to have mistyped. Um, it's theirs. It's, it's their life. It's their ego. It's their story. Like, leave them alone. <laughs> Work on yourself. It's hard enough to be us. Oh, that hurts me. I think that hurts me as a one because, uh, I would want somebody to tell me if I'm mistyping myself. <laughs> uh, I but mean, no, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with your approach. I actually yeah. like the approach because it is, it's one of walking with someone rather than just trying to correct someone. And uh, I think that's a very valuable approach. It just, it hurts me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I think there's reasons. I, I think most of us probably aren't ready to be truthful. And, and most of us, I, I, I mean this, most of us don't have the, the, the courage to sort of explore the contours in the inner landscapes of our ego. And so it's, it's hard. This is hard, hard work. Um, so how do the spiritual disciplines, and particularly you talk about some of the contemplative uh, spiritual disciplines, help with walking out um, or help with our spiritual formation given our particular type and all that that goes with it? Well, so this is what I, I try to do in, in, in my book, The Sacred Enneagram. I, um, one of my, my teachers, Russ Hudson, has, has sometimes said something to the effect that um, the Enneagram is less about nine types of people and more about nine paths to God. And I like that. I, I like this as, as maybe um, sort of rails for how do we align um, the inner work, our spiritual work, um, how do we align our prayer lives with, 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 with reconnecting with the, the, the gifts that, that God sort of purposed us to bring forward. So in my book, I take postures, meditation or mindful or contemplative postures, solitude, silence, and stillness. And I, um, align those with our centers of intelligence and our centers of intelligence you're one, if you're a two, three, or four, that's your heart. Those are your feelings. If you're a five, six, or seven, that's your thoughts or your head. And if you're an eight, nine, or one, that's your, your instincts or your gut. And, and what these centers of intelligence offer us is, is our, the wisdom of our body. The most, it's, it's the rawest material for us to practice discernment. So it's either in our head or our heart or our body. It's our thoughts, our feelings, or our instincts. And when you take solitude, silence, and stillness and you align those with these these centers of intelligence, you start to be able to perceive the voice of God, the experience of divine love, a, a return to your innocence. 
And, and then I take these other triads in the Enneagram. So like I said, ones, fours, and sevens, you all are frustrated idealists. Um, three, six, and nines, these are the the pragmatists that just sort of stick with what works. And, and fives and, and twos and eights, these are the rejection types, but they reject the thing that they want the most in relationship. Well, I take these three clusters and I align these three clusters with a mindfulness intention, either consenting, making an agreement, saying yes to solitude, silence, or stillness, embracing solitude, silence, and stillness through engaging it, or resting in solitude, silence, or stillness. And when you take these three mindfulness intentions and you take these three contemplative postures and you wrap them around the Enneagram, you get nine unique combinations that don't repeat themselves. And I think these really are the nine ways that we can find our, our the nine paths that we can find our way back to God. And, and so I think there's some real practical applications here once you discern type with now how do you bring type into your, your spiritual growth, your spiritual formation, your, your inner work, or, or how you care for your soul. And uh, <clears throat> just again, uh, again, coming across your work and, and how you're breaking those spiritual disciplines down, Josh and I in the last year have really learned that spiritual discipline of rest and, and, and exactly as you guided in the book, you know, of learning to rest. And, and for me, I, I know the big trigger word was giving yourself permission. And uh, so I had to get in. It felt weird to sort of practice just being still. <laughs> as a spiritual discipline, because I'm always wanting to go and do and try to, again, learning, prove myself uh, through doing things. And I didn't realize that was something I was doing. And so like most spiritual disciplines, it felt weird to to just sort of sit there at first and, and begin this practice. But man, within like 10, 15 minutes, just an overwhelming sense of freedom begins to wash over you as you begin to practice that. And, uh, and, and even now, I, I, as I'm talking, I realize I need to I need to get back in the habit of, of practicing this because I've kind of fallen out of habit uh, lately just due to the busyness of life. So, um, Chris, thank you so much for being open and being willing to talk to us about uh, the Enneagram and and how it can help us uh, how it can help form us spiritually. Um, is there anything else that you would like to say to our audience that we might have missed that you would like to uh, let them know? Mm. No, I, I mean, I, I think um, I think the Enneagram will find you right on time. I, I think it's a great support to your spiritual journey when you need it. Um, so, so be patient with it. If you're having a hard time discerning type, that's all right. That's normal. Um, I, I think a lot of people, it, it takes them one or two times around the circle or in conversation with a mentor to, to really sort of land on this. And um, like I said, I, I just think you have to be gentle and compassionate with yourself. Um, if you if you start to work with the Enneagram, it really is going to expose the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And um, all of it belongs. And, and you can't resist it, and, and you can't disconnect yourself from it. All of it belongs. And, and so make room and make peace. Um, and, and, and don't beat yourself up. I mean, really, it's it, that's if, if, if somebody is introducing this in a way that shames you, that, that, that makes you feel small, that highlights or overemphasizes the, the shape of your tragic flaw or let's say your sin tendency, then they're doing this wrong. Um, like I said, this is a compassionate sketch of possibilities for, for who we can become when we say yes to ourselves. Uh, where can people go to find out more about your work? 
Sure. So you can go to um, www.gravitycenter.com or chrishewartz.com. And um, those sort of are landing places for, for some of the things that I've written and, and, and some of the events that I do. And if you're interested in, in the Enneagram workshops, because we, we host a number of these throughout the year, um, you can go to www.sacredenneagram.org. And uh, we'd love to have you. Um, the workshops, I think, are, are, are real incubators of, of, of honesty and, and real gentle um, places to, to just practice telling yourself the truth. Sounds good. And we will have links to all of those in the show notes so you don't have to type in whoa, whoa, whoa if you don't want to. I love that, by the way. That is awesome. I'm going to start using that from now on. <laughs> awesome. Chris, thank you so much for being with us today. For sure. Appreciate you guys having me. Thanks a lot. I hope that this week has been helpful and that if you haven't heard of the Enneagram before, that you can walk away a lot more confident in knowing what this somewhat obscure but becoming more and more popular tool is all about. And Josh and I have found it very helpful for our own personal lives in developing ways in which we can walk with Christ daily. And it's even been a big help in the way that we deal with each other and communicate and how our friendship develops. And in all of this, I do want to emphasize that the Enneagram is only a tool. Chris is right. It has been really helpful for us in understanding our own relationships with each other and the way that we walk with Christ and develop and become better Christians. At the same time, though, it's not the end-all thing that defines who we are as Christians and followers of Christ. It's a tool to help us understand what God is doing in our lives and to understand who he's created us to be. And as Chris said, you are more than your title. Thanks for listening to the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening at Daily Growth, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. Or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Spotify.